guess a page on the Kuti Torah is not a little page. In any case, um, Parshas Kisavai, we learned already all the Maimorim that there are in Parshas Kisavai, besides a tiny little one. Yeah, but it's a very, very hard one. And I've attempted it other years. It didn't work, so I decided that we'll leave that alone. We're going to learn on next week on Parshas Nitzavim a discourse related to Rosh Hashanah, being that Rosh Hashanah is coming. And we're going to split it into two. We'll learn half this week and half next week. So it'll, it'll be our uh, our learning for Rosh Hashanah. Okay. Um, this is a explanation on a mimer that we learned a few years ago. Parshas Netzavim, there are many discourses, and some of them start with a pasuk of the Haftorah, and they're all Rosh Hashanah Maimarim. And the Alter Rebbe, when he would, Rabshneir Zalman of Liyadi, he's the found author of the Tanya, he also wrote a book, didn't write, he would give di- Hasidic discourses every Shabbos, and it would be written down, and as, you know, came before the holidays, Yom Tavim, the Maimar always related to the Yom Tif. So, um, the Haftaira Parshas Nitzavim begins with Sois Asis Barshem, Tagal Nafshi Beloikai. The Mimer over here, Kikaret is is a Mimer is a on the second verse of this Haftorah. The second verse of Parshas of the Haftorah of Parshas Nitzavim from Yeshaya Samachalev. This, by the way, is the last of the seven, seven haftorahs that are called the haftorah of comfort. We know that after Tisha B'av, right? After Tisha B'av, we have seven weeks of, cons- of comfort or consolation that God consoles the Jewish people. The last one is seeming to be the 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 ultimate nachama, the ultimate consolation, because the Jewish people say, we rejoice in God. In other words, we finally accepted God's comforting. Until this is a back and forth, Hashem says, and the Jewish people say, no, we don't want to be comforted, and this goes back and forth. Finally, when it comes to Parshas Nitzavim, we rejoice with Hashem. So, at first glance, this Haftorah, it's not related to Rosh Hashanah, it's not related to the season, it's not even related to the parsha. it's related to Tisha B'Av still. It's still the band-aid, kind of, to kind of heal the wound of the destruction of the temple of Tisha B'Av. But yet we know that everything is Bashgacha Pratis, by divine providence. If this is the, the, the Haftorah, we read the Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah, it means that it belongs right over here, that from this Haftorah we take insight into Rosh Hashanah. So on the first pasuk, Sois Asis Barshem, the Alter Rebbe also has a mimer, which we also learned. And then on the second verse, which is the verse that we're going to read in a moment, the Alter Rebbe said a discourse, but then in addition to that, he said an explanation on the discourse. The mimer, the discourse, we learned already a few years ago, and now we're going to learn the explanation on that discourse. And as I mentioned many times, the explanations are usually far more Kabbalistic than the discourse themselves, and therefore usually a little more complicated. Um, especially when you didn't learn the discourse, you're only learning the explanation of the discourse. But, Pe'ezras Hashem, we're going to learn 
and we're not going to understand, and maybe a little bit we're going to understand, but a little bit that we're going to understand is also good, because it's very, very potent stuff. So even if a lot of it washes over our head, one little drop is enough to resurrect the dead. And hopefully we're not so dead. So that's, that's, the, that's the thing over here. Ki ka'aretz. So let me first read the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Ki ka'aretz, just like the land. Toitzi tzimcha, just like the earth. Soil gives forth tzimcha, her vegetation, her plants. Uchegana, and like a garden. Zaruheha, that which were the seeds that were planted in her. Tatzmiach, she makes it grow. So just like the earth will grow forth vegetation and the gardens that are planted with seeds will also sprout their, their plants, their flowers, their, their fruits, and so forth, so forth. Cain, Hashem Elohim, so Hashem Elohim, Yatzmiach, Tztoko, Utehila, Neged Kolagoy. So too Hashem Elohim, God, Hashem, Yatzmiach will make sprout forth tzedakah, righteousness, utehila, and praise, neged kol in front of all the nations. Referring to what time? Um, it seems to that this is referring to the time of Mashiach. That in the time of Mashiach, Hashem alokim, at that time God is going to sprout forth all of his, all tzedakah, all of his, all of his um, generosity, kindness. But it's all going to be from the mitzvahs that the Jewish people have done. And that's what he says, the Radak says, The merits of the Jewish people for thousands of years are going to produce a powerful garden, a powerful vegetation that's going to be in the end of time, which is similar to a garden that will... So we will, we will finally reap the produce of everything that was planted with all the sweat and the toil of the thousands of years of mitzvah and observance and mesiras nefesh, self-sacrifice and so forth. That's, that's the Pasuk. And it's interesting, the Radak says that the, the, the comparison to a garden and to, a, and to the earth is in the fact that just like the garden and the earth, when you plant the seeds in the earth, first it has to rot and decay. And then it looks totally hopeless. It doesn't look like anything is ever going to grow because what, what you had, you lost. But then when you come back later, it comes back. And not only does it come back, but it comes back much better than it was originally. Much more, right? And with a far greater abundance. So the same is also the truth with the Jewish people. We're scattered, we're planted in the exile. We're scattered. And it looks like we're gone. It looks like we've completely rotted. Spiritually and even physically. There's assimilation, there is... 
all that takes place in the exile. We don't have the same wisdom or knowledge or, or righteousness that Jews had way back when the temple stood, when the Beis Amigdash stood. And now we're barely making it. And yet we know that from this very planting and the very darkness will come a much greater light and a much greater future. That's the simple meaning of this Pasuk. And the Alter Rebbe, the, the, uh, the author of Shneer Zalman, um, in, his, in his explanation of this Pasuk, is saying that this Pasuk, the reason we read it before Rosh Hashanah, is because of this that it says, that Hashem Elohim, that Hashem will make sprout forth tzedakah utehila, righteousness and tehila and praise, is referring to particularly the godly revelation that happens in the 10 days of tshuva from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. And the general theme of the discourse is that all year long we're busy planting. That's what we're doing all year long. We're observing mitzvahs, we're planting in the garden. Every mitzvah is called a planting. So we plant and we plant. And as a result of our plantings, very, very great things happen. But sometimes we are lacking in our productivity. We're supposed to produce, we're supposed to produce tremendous, tremendous godliness, tremendous light. The Jewish people are supposed to produce through, the, through our mitzvahs. Sometimes it's lacking. Sometimes the gardener is sloppy. Sometimes the work has been done with negligence. So what happens is once a year comes Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, there is a certain, a certain um, smicha, a certain uh, growing that grows on its own that is, in the, that is not dependent on our work. And that's what enables us to fix, once we have that tremendous, tremendous divine assistance that happens in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, we're able to replenish and to fix every place that there has been any kind of a deficiency in that which we were supposed to draw down during the year. So he's learning the two parts of the verse are referring to all year long is, is called ka'aretz taitzi tzimcha, the earth giving forth vegetation, its plant, ukegana and the garden, He's going to explain that it's two types of observance. The difference between the earth and a garden is the garden is a place. The garden is a place that someone takes care of it. There's a gardener, but then there is just plain. You walk out in a park, and it grows. No one is taking care of that of that place. It just grows on its own. But the quality of what grows in a garden is much much greater than that which just grows wildly. Things that grow widely, they grow widely. But things that a person plants has a much, much finer growth. Things that are planted. So the same is in mitzvahs. There are Jews that are doing mitzvahs and they do them with intent. They do them mindfully. And that's like a garden. And then there are those who even though they're doing the mitzvahs, but they're doing it just out of habit or just out of rote without any concentration. So that's like the earth... That's not the garden. But yet, those Jews and those Jews produce. As a Jew, because a Jew essentially has Hashem, even if he's not conscious of it, but he has Hashem deep in his heart. Because every Jew has, a, has, has that love to God, that innate love. If we work to get in touch with it, and then we do mitzvahs with a desire to be a Jew and to be 
serving Hashem and to connect to Hashem, then our production is like a garden. If not, so it's like wild vegetation growing, but it's still vegetation. It's still producing tremendous godliness in the world like we're going to learn. But that's our business as a result of our Torah and mitzvahs all year long. In a sense, we can say it's, it's a partnership between us and Hashem. We plant and Hashem makes it grow. The essential growing has to come from God. We're doing physical mitzvahs. How is that going to produce godly revelation? It's but, Hashem says, these little things that you're doing which involve physical stuff and pushing physical buttons, for some reason, as he's going to explain, has tremendous spiritual repercussions. Very, very, and godly repercussions. The highest, 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 most powerful divine energies flow into the cosmos. Such lights that we're, we're not, we haven't yet, the world hasn't seen yet. It's only going to reveal itself in the end of days. All that we've reproduced. But that's all part of our production. But there is a time of the year, 10 days in the year, in which there is a certain opening up where Hashem opens up to us from a much deeper place than He's accessible the rest of the year. And in a sense, it's Hashem empowering a, 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 a um, Hashem releases, so to speak, a much higher source of energy that if there has been, as we spoke, mentioned earlier, any kind of deficiency or any kind of lacking in our observance, and therefore in this, in this godly light that we were supposed to bring into the world, if anything has been lacking, on Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, we can make it up. Of course it involves our tshuva, but even before we do tshuva, the very idea that it's the 10 days of tshuva, there's a powerful infusion of Hashem's presence in the world from a much deeper place, which enables us to draw down in one minute what would have taken a, a year's work of worth. I mean, worth of work. That's the idea that he's developing over here. So let's see inside the mind. To understand the root of what was discussed earlier. In first we need to understand, yes, we need to understand, we need to understand the general idea of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And it says explicitly in the Torah like this, that on this day the Abishter forgives, that God forgives all of our sins. And to understand this Tikkun. What's the Tikkun? How does this Tikkun, how does the rectification happen on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? How does it happen? And the idea is as follows. Because on Rosh Hashanah, on Rosh Hashanah is a Kabbalistic idea. It's called the construction of the female. What does that mean? On Rosh Hashanah is the day that Adam Arishon was created. That Adam, Adam, the first human being, was created. In the story of the creation of man, there is a story of the creation of man, but there is also the story of the creation of Chava. And Chava is created, Hashem puts Adam to sleep, and he removes a rib, and from the rib he created Chava. And the Kabbalists say that the main theme of Rosh Hashanah is that every year God is reconstructing Eve, Chava. It's not so much about the creation of Adam, 
It's primarily about the creation of Chava. And why is that so great? And what is the significance of that? Chava being the the uh, the um, feminine element in creation. Right? She's, so she represents the attribute of Malchut. Malchus, Malchus is Hashem's attribute of kingship. There are ten spheros, ten attributes. Zohar Kabbalah speaks that there are ten, ten powers or ten personality traits that Hashem projects as, as a means of relating to the creation, relating to the world. It's a personality of God, ten spheros. And there is nine of them are masculine, and the last one is feminine. The last one is the, is the attribute that is most important to creation. Because that's the source of creation. It's the attribute of kingship. Because how does creation come about? Only because of Hashem's deciding that He wants to be a king. So His kingship, because a king requires a nation. So all of creation, which constitutes all the creatures in all the realms, because it's a lot, a lot of realms, but but and all the way down to the physical world, with all the everything, all that whatever is in the physical world. It's all about kingship. It's all about that eventually, in the end of days, God is going to be a king over the whole world. That kingship is the attribute of Malchus. For whatever reason, it's a feminine attribute, not a masculine attribute. So this element of Malchus is the idea of Chava. And on Rosh Hashanah, every year on Rosh Hashanah, the Malchus, for whatever reason, becomes disassembled or it needs to be reconstructed as it is explained in other, in other discourses the Alter Rebbe is not explaining it here but as it is explained in other discourses it means that every year Rosh Hashanah God loses his interest in being a king and, and if Hashem pulls out of kingship means there's no, there's no attribute of Malchus it ceased to exist and once Malchus is Gone, there's no reason for creation. And that means that the soul of creation evaporates and, dis- and dissipates. And obviously that puts the entire existence in great jeopardy. Because obviously without the soul, there can't be a creation. If not for our shofar, and if not for what we do on Rosh Hashanah, the, the, the world would crumble and disappear. It would just would not, it would not continue. Rosh Hashanah, God tells the Jewish people, I need you to reawaken within me a desire to be a king. So now let's translate that into Kabbalistic terminology. I need you now to reconstruct Chava. You have to reconstruct the attribute of kingship, the spiritual source of Chava, which is the idea of the attribute of kingship. We have to build Chava, build the rib, that's what it is, into a full manifesting. So every year we have a new chava, which means a new attribute of kingship, a new mother for creation. That happens in Rosh Hashanah. And that's called Binyan Anukva. Kihinei that's he says, who Binyan Anukva is the Binyan, is the construction of, a fe, of, of the feminine attribute of Malchus, Shehi Malchus Tatsilis, which is the Malchus of the world of emanation, which is the source of. The world of emanation is the first world, and there's three lower worlds. And that's the source of all of creation. 
Kamashakasov, like it says in the Pasuk, when on Rosh Hashanah, on the sixth day of creation, the first year, that Hashem built up the rib. So what does it mean? So over here he gives an example. He takes, he's not going to talk about, he's, he's addressing the idea of why it's called the building, binyan, but obviously he's taking it out of the context of building Chava as a human being. He's using the idea of reconstructing the palace, reconstructing a home. He's basing it on the idea of building. Because the Pasuk, when it's talking about Chava, it doesn't say that Hashem made Chava. It says He built her. The Gemara talks about that, why it uses a term of building. And Kabbalistically, we also know we call it Binyan Amalchus. We're building the kingship. And what's the idea of building? Why do we have to rebuild it? It was built already. It was already constructed. God built His empire already when He created the world. So why does it need a yearly reconstruction? So he's going to explain that every year God wants renovation. That's the idea. He has an empire. He has a construction. He has an entire structure that was built. But every year he wants renovation. And the reason why he wants renovation is because there is some mold. There are certain... Because what's the kingship? The kingship is built on what? On servitude. Subjects. The king, subjects. If we say the empire, that's, that's, that's the construction, is his empire. As long as we're all serving him and doing everything that's right, then we have a very solid building. We have a very solid construction of kingship. But if there is some lacking, or chas v'shalem, God forbid, sin and violation and various other types of things like that, that causes a blemish in this building. And there are some times, and it's not enough, you know, when you say it's a little blemish, sometimes when you have a problem in a house, you just have to like, you know, call some kind of a, uh, whatever, uh, construction worker or whatever it is, that they need to repair, make a little change. They can knock down one wall or, or fix. But sometimes it doesn't work that way. Sometimes it gets so rotten, especially if the problem is at the bottom. If it's up at the top, then you, can, then you can kind of remove like, like the Torah speaks about when, the, when a house gets a tzoras, gets a nega, gets a... So you take out one or, two, one or two stones and you put new stones. That's if it's at the top. But what happens if it gets rotten at the bottom? So then you have to throw the whole thing down and rebuild it. And the idea is every Rosh Hashanah we have to collapse the whole thing and reconstruct and that's the, but that's so good because every year it's a new page. It's a new, it's a new avoda. It's a new dedication to kingship, to servitude, to accepting the king. It's a whole new thing. And that's what he says over here. By way of an analogy. When a house becomes damaged in some place, in the middle of it, in the middle, a middle, a middle, a middle section of the home, or at the bottom of it, in order to fix that kilkel, that damage, so that 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 requires We have to rebuild the entire house from new, from its foundation. Ad Gagoi, all the way up to the roof. 
when you reconstruct the entire structure, so then you're able to fix and to do a firm kiyom, a firm uh, substantial um, uh, uh, existence. Even that place that was damaged, now it's fixed because you knock down the whole... That's what happens many times. You know, a person has flooding. And sometimes, you know, the bottom, the basement, it gets all flooded. There are times that they can do some kind of a repair. Sometimes it requires to, like, uproot and, and get down to the foundations. And, 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 and from there, kind of rebuild and reconstruct. And, the, and, the met, and this will be understood also as it applies above Mizet. He says, The pegam, the blemish that happens as a result of sin. They cause a lacking, a deficiency, and damage above. Where above? You know, we always think that, you know, we're small little people and our actions are our own private business. And what kind of effect does it have on the world? Not much. But the truth is not that way. We are far more important than we think we are. And every little, little action of ours, and all of our little thoughts, and all of our speech, and all of our, whatever it is, all has tremendous, tremendous effect, not only on, this, on, on the physical world, but on all the spiritual worlds above, but even deeper than that on the underlying infrastructure of all of existence within the godly realms, in the spherot themselves, in the divine attributes themselves, God forbid, it causes mold. It causes some kind of an infection. It causes some kind of a, of a, of a, of a defect, a serious defect. And uh, we, need it, we, we can't leave it that way. That's why Hashem gives us Rosh Hashanah every year. Because we need to constantly rebuild and renew. So that's the idea. So the Imkain, and, and he says, why? But one will say, well, I'm just a physical human being down here below. If we would be living in the higher spiritual realms up there, we would be angelic, celestial beings up in the higher realms. So then we can understand why our actions have repercussions up there. But if we're creatures of earth, we're not creatures of heaven. So how is it that our, what we do down here has such an impact on something so high? The answer is, it's because of our soul. Because true, our bodies are physical on earth, but embedded in us is a neshama, is a soul. And our soul is rooted in, not only in the spiritual world, it's rooted in God Himself. In, in the attributes of Hashem. And therefore, whatever a person does when his neshama is in a body, affects all the way, all the way, all the way back to its very, very beginnings. And causes tremendous, tremendous impact for the good or God forbid the opposite so and he says the reason why we have such impact is because it says in Kabbalah like this that there are 30 vessels of 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 Zuchren Nukva of the male and the female element of Atzilus Nasim Neshama become the soul to be how many spheros did we say there are there are ten spheros. We said before, nine are masculine. And the tenth one is malchus, feminine. 
That's called the male and female element. What does that mean, male and female element? There's no physicality there. We're talking about the powerful, powerful attributes, forces of attributes, which some of them are mainly about giving. That's why they're male. They're mainly about the transmission. And Malchus is mainly about the receptacle. She's the receiver. And that's why it's the idea of being female. So these powerful dynamics of Zuchr and Nukva, the ten spheros, so altogether there are ten. Ten containers, ten vessels. These spherot have, in Hasidus we learn all the time, they have orot, there is energy, which is the neshama, and there is kalim, there is the body of those spheros. The body. Obviously, even the body, is, we're not dealing with anything physical over here. We're not even dealing with anything spiritual. We're talking about divine. But yet, compared to the soul, which is the light and the energy, this is called body. I'll give you an example for something like that. When a person speaks, when you talk, when a person talks, there is the content of the words, the ideas that you're conveying, the content, the ideas, and then there are the actual letters, the letters themselves. The letters are the vessels, the containers, the A, B, C, they're the, they're the containers. And the content that's in it is the soul. So the same in Atsilus, in the world of Atsilus, the energies, and then there is the containers. So the energy is the Oyres and the Caleb. So in Kabbalah it says like this, there are four worlds. The world of emanation is Atsilus, the world of creation is the first level already of creatures, of beings. The world of Atsilos is not really a world. It's God as He manifests Himself in a certain personality. Higher than Atsilos, Hashem doesn't have any personality because Hashem is beyond any description. That's why it's not called a world. That's called the Ainsof, the infinite. In the world of Atsilos, Hashem already emanates, projects attributes. We call it a human form. Male and female, fine, but it's divine. Tzilos. Then begins the three lower worlds, which is actually a world. What does a world really mean? Something other than God. Or there's nothing really true other than God, but it's something that in its own consciousness feels itself separated and apart from Hashem. So that is the three worlds. The three worlds, there's Olam Abriya is the first world, the world of creation. It's inhabited by the most loftiest of beings. And they are what? The souls and very, very high angels. Then there is the next level of creation called Olam Yetzirah, the world of formation. It's primarily inhabited by angels. Finally, there is the world of Asiya, the material physical world. And that's our world that we're in over here. So there's three different worlds. So we say like this, these three worlds need godly input. Without godly input, they, they can't exist. They need a soul, an energy. Even though it's creation, embedded in them is, a, is an energy, is a flow, a flow of God. So here's an interesting thing. It says like this, the containers, the vessels of the world of Atzilut, which as we said before, is a world that's one with Hashem, even in its consciousness, it's one with God. The con- Remember we said before, there's two parts to that world. There is the energy of that world and there are the containers. The containers of that world are also godly. Because it's not creation yet. So here's an interesting thing it says in Kabbalah. 
the containers, the vessels of the world of Atsilus become the soul and the energy for the lower worlds. Now, every world, its power and its energy is through ten attributes. These, ten, these very ten attributes have to manifest in each world. So in Atsilus there are ten attributes. In Bria there are ten attributes. In Yetzira there are ten attributes. And finally in the physical Asiya there's also ten attributes. And we understand that these attributes are evolve one from the other as they descend. And the, and, and the lower the world, the more the weaker and the less powerful are these attributes. It gets diminished and diminished and diminished and diminished to create a lower, a lower world. So here's the thing. The ten attributes of Atsilos, they become the soul for the three lower worlds for the attributes of the three lower worlds. Which part of these attributes of Atsilos, which dimension? Not the, not the oirois, not the lights. Because the lights could never manifest in our worlds. If the lights of Atsilos would descend into the three lower worlds, it would be too bright, it would be too godly conscious that we wouldn't possibly be able to convince ourselves that we exist. We would, we, would, we would be so lost in the overwhelming truth of God. So the lights of Atsilos can't shine here, can't be down. So therefore the power that, that, that does descend into the lowers are the containers. The containers are already more dense and not as bright, not as, not as godly. And therefore they, but they're still God, meaning they're still attached to Hashem, they're not yet a creation. So they can serve as the power of the three lower worlds. Now, you have ten attributes in Atsilos, and it has to become the, the power for three worlds. Bria, Yitzir, and Asil. So what happens? It says like this, the containers of Atsilos have as follows. The inside of the container, the midsection of the container, and the external part of the container. The internal part of the container touches the light. So it's very, 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 very powerful. The midsection of the container is not touching directly the light. It's more of the container. That's more the level of the container itself. The external part of the container is not even the container. It's more about... It's like in a, it's like in a cup. There is, there is the inside of the cup where... And then there is a handle, which is just meant for the outside to be able to relate to the container. So the outside of the container is more, is already for something external, so it's much less. So we say like this, the ten spheroids of Atsilas divide now become 30, they, when I say the ten attributes, I mean the vessels of the ten attributes of Atsilas, the containers, translate into 30 containers. Why? Because in each container, there's three containers, three vessels. The inside of the vessel, the midsection of the vessel, external part. So the th- and that's how they manifest in all three worlds. In the highest world of where the, where the, where the, where the souls are, the shamas, in the, in the world of Bria, that very, very, very sublime, godly world, the sphera, the soul of that world, is from the inner dimension of these vessels, of these containers, of Atsilas. The next world, Yetzirah, is enlivened 
by the middle section of those kalim. The lowest world, the world of Asiya, gets its energy from the most external part of the containers of the world of Atzilus. But what does that tell you? That even in our lower world of Asiya, there is energy from the world of Atzilus, from the external part of the container, but it's still energy from the world of Atzilus. It's for that reason that things that are done in the physical world impact Atzilus. The reason they impact Atzilus is because ultimately all the worlds are linked up with each other. One is enclosed in the other. So when we do something down here, it has spiritual repercussions back, 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 back to its all the way, all the way to the containers of Atzilus. And when things are damaged over there, it's no good. What does it mean damaged? Damaged means just like mold. When you have a home, a home is supposed to be what a place of where you can live that protects and so on and so forth. When mold happens, it means that all kinds of bacteria and stuff that don't, not supposed to, are beginning to grow and fester in that house. And they're, they're, they're being energized. And that's obviously har- very harmful for the person living in, in the house. So when you have an atzilus, when God forbid it gets moldy, it means that forces of evil are able to plug into this very, very, very deep source of life and, you, and siphon energy from that place and become very powerful. And that which is unholy and evil becomes strong and then that's no good. That's why we need every year to reconstruct, to get rid of all the mold, to get rid of all the damage that is done and to rebuild the entire system from, from, from the bottom up or from the up down. The whole thing has to be reconstructed. That's the concept that he spoke in the beginning that Rosh Hashanah is the building of the female. So now he's explaining it over here. Again, Kishloishim Kalim, because the 30 containers, the Zuchrev of male and female, which ultimately that means the 10 spheroids. How do you get to 30 containers? Because in the containers there is the outside, the middle, and, and the inside. 3 times 10 or 10 times 3 is 30. Atzilus, Nasim, they become Neshama, they become the soul, Libya, Tabriya, Yetzir, and Asiya. Asara, Kalem, Apnimiyim, the internal, the ten internal vessels, Bibriya, manifest in the world of Bria. Vahatichainim, and the middle part, Biyetzira, go down into the world of Yetzira. Yetzira is the world of formation. Vahachitzainim, and the most external part of the containers, Baasiya, manifest in the world of Asiya. The im kain, and therefore, gam misha yeshloi rak nefesh ta'asiya. Even if a Jew says, I don't have a super, super, super powerful soul, I'm just a regular guy, I'm just a simpleton. I understand when a great tzaddik, when a great holy person does something wrong, it creates very big damage because he's a very, very lofty soul. And every little thing, you know, the Balshemtov said, the Baal Shem Tov said that the tiniest little thoughts of a tzaddik, of a righteous individual, of a, of a saintly person, the tiniest misthought, it could be the smallest little, little thing, wreaks havoc in the higher worlds than the worst imaginable sins of the wicked people. Think this person did something so horrible. Down here it's very horrible, but up there... It doesn't have such an impact. 
like the righteous person. He's so righteous. But because of the sensitivity of his neshama, the tiniest little mis, you know, misguided thought, or he just did something, even this, as Al-Tabakhi says, machshava, a small little non-kosher thought. And even that is very, when we say non-kosher for a tzaddik, the tiniest little thing causes a bigger, bigger damage in the upper realms. So someone will argue and will say, okay, there's a tzaddik, but I'm just, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm more of a coarse person, therefore I can't impact. So the Rebbe says, no. Since the vessels of Atsilos manifest in all three worlds, so even a person who only has an ashama, a soul, our souls come from these attributes that, that, manif- that, that manifest in each world. So there are neshamas that are called souls of Atsilus. There are neshamas that are called souls of Bria because they come from the ten spheres of Bria. There are neshamas that are called neshamas of Yetzirah because they come from the ten spheres of Yetzirah. And there are neshamas that are called neshamas of Asiya, of the world of Asiya. Within that itself, we know that there's a few levels of neshama. Nefesh, ruach, neshama. Neshama is high, then there's ruach, nefesh is the lowest. The lowest type of neshama is a soul that comes from nefesh of the world of Asiya. It's the lowest type of soul. So the Rebbe says, even if one has that very, very low soul, since Asiya, the energy of Asiya, is really coming from Atsilos, even this neshama causes damage in, in Atsilos through his sin, his or her sin. Even someone who only has a soul from the world of Asiya. The damage reaches from his sin, even in Atsilos. In the external vessels of Atsilos, but it's still reaching Atsilos. That's why the tzaddik is so much, that's why the Balshemtav said the tzaddik creates much greater damage. Because the tzaddik's neshama is coming from the internal vessel. Because he's coming from the world of Bria. So his neshama is coming from the spheres of Bria, which are from the from the internal part of the vessel that's mamish touching the light. And if you bring mold into that place, God forbid, you're, you're literally allowing the mold to touch the Ein Sof. It's like the... So that's why the Balshemtav says that sin is worse. But still, the Rebbe says, even if you're chas v'shalom causing damage in the external part of the vessel, it's still the vessels of the divine. It's still basically bringing an injury to God. To put it in blunt terms. It's causing God, so to speak, to have an infection. Now, obviously, when we say God, we don't mean God. We mean Hashem as He chooses to manifest Himself as a human. In that level, chas v'shalem, there can be an injury. There can be an infection. So, therefore, we need to reconstruct. That are enclosed in the world of Asiyah. And this is what it says in the Pasuk. The people that are posheya, they are chas v'shalem, they cause, a, they, they rebel, be in me. So the, the Zohar says, begufa the malka, in the body of the king. We don't usually think that way, that we're, we're, we're chas v'shalem, wounding Hashem. But that's, that's what it is. V'ayim b'zayar pashas tazriyah be'etzchayim b'drush ha'negoyim. So look in Zohar and look in Eitz Chaim when he speaks about a nega, when a person, a nega, which is this white blotch that appears, when it appears in the person down here, it means it's an impacting up there. The good news, that's not such good news. The good news is that we can fix it. And we can bring healing. And the 10 days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, 
is that time. Vezau in Yen Rosh Hashanah, this is the idea of Rosh Hashanah. Zeh Hayoyim Tchilas Masecha. This is the day of the beginning of your work. Binyan Amalchus. This is the day that we construct the Abishter's kingdom. Now the Rebbe says, it's not just that we're reconstructing Malchus, even though we spoke earlier, it's the feminine element that's rebuilt. We're really reconstructing all the spheroids, as he says. We're reconstructing higher and higher and higher to the highest levels. Everything is rebuilt. To renew to renew the entire evolution of divine, of godly light, may ayin from nothing, may atzmus hamatzel. We're basically getting back to the essence of the emanator himself, which means in Rosh Hashanah in Kippur, we, everything goes back to Hashem's very, very self, before there's any attributes. Before, and from that very, 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 very beginning of beginnings, we rebuild the entire, the entire structure of, of the godly realms. We reconstruct. And that means, in other words, that Hashem has a whole new relationship with the creation. And when we do that, this will fill all the deficiencies and all the pegamim, all the, all the damages shanasu that have become in the lights, the kalim and in the vessels, the esesviros and any one of the ten attributes of abia. Abia means atzilus bria yitzir and asia. In any of the four worlds, wherever we cause the damage, that's where, that's where, this is all re- fixed. Why? How does it work? Because on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur we access the soul of all souls. We access Hashem as He stands higher than any of these manifestations. And when we draw from God Himself, not from the attributes, but from God Himself, and we draw Him down, in one second, He fills the, all the places that have been. I'll give an example to that. You know, you can go to the beach. Play in the sand, make holes. And then you go to them, and then the kid go, gets up with his pail. And he walks to the water and he brings the pail and he fills. And then he goes back and he goes back and he brings, goes to the water and he fills. And when, when the water goes in, it goes in, it seeps into the ground. It takes a long time for him to fill. And he drops, let's see if it's a deep hole or many holes. He's bringing water. Blah, blah, blah. But then suddenly, in one second, the high tide comes in. And what took him like, you know, like for hours, this kid is sitting there bringing from the water. When once the high tide comes in, in one second, it fills all of it in one shot, in one wave. The whole thing is filled, all the, all the cabinets. That's the difference between all year long and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That's the idea. All year long, we're pulling, we're drawing this, this mitzvah, that mitzvah. It's all about channeling godly light into the various different channels and so forth. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, we have this tsunami, this powerful wave of godliness that we have access to and in one second, it fills it all. And that's the idea of Ant ki antu shleimus adekula. You yourself, you're the shleimus. You, you're the completion of everything. If we can only draw you, the very you, which is God Himself, it brings shleimus, it brings perfection in all 
of existence and in all the places that there could have been, God forbid, a deficiency. I am Bizayar Balak. Look in Zohar, Parshas Balak, Zilein Neturei Beisach. Now the Tzemach Tzedek, who is the grandson of the author, Tzemach Tzedek, third Chabad Rebbe, is explaining in this parentheses how come his grandfather is using the idea of building a house. In his example, he said, if a house gets damaged, so he says that Malchus is compared to a house. It's a zili go neture beisach. Watch your house. Him shul pchenas is lapshus hamalchus bebiya gam kein lepchenas bias. The enclosement of malchus of the shechina of of, of kingship into briyatir and asiyah is called a house. So that's number one. That's referring to the malchus descending to being clothed into creation. But he says, and there's another place where malchus itself is compared to a house. Not only its enclosement in, in creation, and you can say the world is like a home. No. But the Shekhinah herself, even as she stands higher than the world, is also a house. Where, which, which David HaMelech says on his Madrega, which is Malchus, it's called Chanukah Sabayis, Ainsham. We also know that the Gemara says that Rabbi Yaisi always called his wife his house. So you see that Malchus, which is the feminine element, is called home. This will also explain, it says in Eitzchayim, when it says when you will build a new house, it says you should make a, last week in the Parsha we learned about it, Parsha's Kiseitz, it says when you will build a new house, make a fence on the roof. So what does this mean when you will build a new home? We can say it means like this, the sages have said, Don't read it. It says, Rav Shalom There's a lot of peace to your children. So the sages say, and we say it in Davening every day, don't read it your children, but rather read it your builders. There's a lot of peace to your builders. Who are they? These are the Torah scholars who engage in building the world. They are building the world. If you speak to a Torah scholar and you ask him what's his profession, the right answer is, I'm into construction. Because when Torah scholars sit and study, they might be sitting and learning all day, they're really constructing the cosmos. That's really what they're doing. People down here looking at it think that they're just a bunch of shlamazel sitting in yeshiva all day. But it's not true. They're actually building and constructing the spiritual worlds. That's, that's Torah. It builds. It's binyan shalot. Ah, but that's, that's what we should be doing. But what happens if... But if a person sinned, and he did not build it through the Torah that he was supposed to learn, because he wasted his time, or did whatever. This is where it says in last week's Parsha, it's also, Parsha's Kiseitse is also close to Rosh Hashanah. And it says in the Parsha, when you're going to build a new house, which means because the old one was like, you know, it wasn't really built well. So now you have to rebuild. So we're going to build a new home. We have to reconstruct and build a house from new. And how do we do this? Through repentance. From the depth of the heart. In other words, how do we reach that big, big wave that we spoke about earlier? That big tsunami wave, which is a, a revelation of God Himself that fills all the gaps and all the lacking. That's if you get to your very self. We too operate, let me give you an example, we too operate, there is an external human being, and then there is the very you. 
most of the time, even if we're very religious or very observant and very connected, but we're not in it with our entire self. We're in it with our power. Our intelligence is into Judaism. Our mind is into it. Our, our emotions maybe get a little bit into it. Our thoughts, speech and action. That's good all year long. But in Rosh Hashanah, God says, I want you. That's what the shofar is. The shofar is you. That's why you blow the shofar from your heart, from your very inside. And you're not, and the sound of the shofar is not a, it's not a sophisticated sound because it's not coming from the intellect. Intellect is not you. Intellect is a projection of you. It's a power of you, but it's not you. So in order to get to God Himself, you need the very person. And the very person, that's the why Rosh Hashanah, the service of Rosh Hashanah is so deep. It's that the person himself should wake up and say, God, I, I want you. I am devoted to you. From the very being. From my very self. And when that very, very self, that draws forth God's very self. But what does it say? You have to make a fence on your new house. Which means it's not, it's not a monkey business. It's not a little game over here. And it comes Rosh Hashanah, and we say, okay, we fix it. Now what? I built it all from new, now I'm okay again. I can go back to sinning. So the verse says, no, no, no. If you do tshuva, and you repent it, and you felt bad about the mistakes, and the misdeeds that you've done, that a person has done, that we've done, so what do we do then? Now that you built a new house, make a fence. That means, including in the Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur experience, is not only regret and a desire to be better, but actually... Think about what were the things that allowed, my, allowed me to breach my relationship with the Ebershto last year. What was it? I was standing in such a heightened state on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. How is it that three weeks later, it's like it never happened? How? Just start thinking, what did I do during those three weeks that desensitized me? Maybe, or if a person knows that they have a certain particular issue that they, have to, that they deal with. So you have to create a fence. And say, from now on, I am going to protect myself and not going to let that happen. I'm not going to put my... By doing what? By creating certain, certain barriers. And that's the idea which in, 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 um, in, the, in, the, in the books of Musr, in the books of especially Kabbalistic Musr, it talks about something called Chuvas HaMishkal. Chuvas HaMishkal means you take a, a person takes upon himself some serious, serious, serious... Um, uh, 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 str- stringencies that they're going to live by far, far more than what a regular Jew has to live by. Because they're a Balchuva, Because they've sinned and they misstep. So now i got to be very, very careful. That's the idea. When you are going to build your new home, the Torah says, make a fence this time. Don't leave it like as last time you also had a home and look what happened. It's like a person. You know, if the mold came the first time and you spent now $50,000 or uh, to fix your house, so you, now you're going to do, you're going to take some preventive measures that you shouldn't end up in the same rut that happened now. That 10 years from now, you're not going to be where you were after the first 10 years. You're going to speak, what can I do to prevent this from happening again? That's the idea of making the fence. I'm sorry, it's not Chuvas HaMishkal. That's called Chuvas HaGeder. Chuva when you make a Geder. Geder means a fence. Chuvas HaMishkal means something else. But this is called Chuvas this is a protection. You shouldn't fall. Okay. So this is the general idea of what happens in Rosh Hashanah. As a re- this is the this 
this, um, this complete renewal of everything which we have to accomplish in the 10 days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. Now he's going to start explaining all these levels, where they come from. What does Torah mitzvahs all year? Remember I gave the example of the kid running to the water and bringing water and filling it up? Where is the, what's the pail? Where is he drawing from? Where is the regular water that we draw from in the mitzvahs? Why are mitzvahs so important in the first place? Why is it so great? So on and so forth. And then he's going to explain what access do we have to Hashem on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. So he's going to give it, he's going to explain it more already by giving us the map. To understand the explanation of this matter. Then we first have to preface, We have to preface the idea of a descent of souls. Then a shamus, when it's all souls that come down into this world, we know that the soul coming down into the physical world is a horrible, horrible descent for the soul. The soul is in, in, inhabits the most beautiful spiritual lights in the higher realms. Coming down here is a place where the soul is literally suffocating. So why would God do this to the Nisham? And the answer is, it's an, a descent for the sake of an ascent. And notwithstanding the loftiness of the Nishama, a mitzvah, when, but the Nishama can't do mitzvahs up there. When the soul comes down over here, it has access to mitzvah observance. And when it does mitzvahs, the mitzvahs elevate the soul much higher than where the neshama was before it came down. So, This is what we mean. Every time we make a blessing before we do a mitzvah, we say, you sanctified us through your mitzvahs. That means the mitzvah brings us into a place of holiness that otherwise when we were a neshama up in heaven, we couldn't even dream of going up in such a high place. But in the, while we're doing that mitzvah, we're connecting to God on levels way, way above anything we had when we were in the highest realms of paradise and Ganeid. It's just that we're, not, we're oblivious to it. We're not conscious of it. Because if we were to feel that powerful, godly light and, and, and godliness of the mitzvah, we would pass out. We, would, we, 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 could, we, could, we, couldn't, we couldn't live through that experience. So that's why it's hidden. Until we're going to, when Mashiach comes, and especially by the resurrection of the dead, we're going to have the ability to be able to withstand that great revelation. Hashem sanctifies us through the mitzvahs. And the, and the emphasis over here is the word Kiddishanu. He sanctified us. Kodesh, and the, the, the main important word over here is Kodesh. Kodesh means that which is removed. Kodesh means that which is transcendent. Kodesh means that which is high. Kedusha, high. Separated. So it's referring to the levels of Hashem that are not manifest and not revealed in the heavenly realms. We spoke earlier, the, the attributes and so on and so forth. This is levels beyond, beyond, beyond. And that's why it's like Hashem's private self. It's called Kedusha. When we're doing a mitzvah, we're saying, Asher Kiddishanu. That holiness of God's very private self is becoming unified with us. But hold it. And the sages have said, and that's why God says to the Jewish people, Kiddushim Tiyu, you should be holy. What does it mean you should be holy? You should be coming 
You should attach yourself to me. I am holy, or you'll be holy. But the sages say on the Pasuk Yachel, on the Pasuk Kedoshim to you, the sages say, you would think you can become as holy as me. Yachel Kemoini, you would think you can become as holy as me. Talmud Loimar Kikadeshani. The verse says, no, I am holy. Kedushasi, my holiness, Lamaila Mikdushaschem is holier than your, it's greater than your holiness. That's what, the, that's, what, that's what it says. In other words, God says, I'm giving you access to become holy. But you would think you could be equal to me. No, I'll always be holier than you. That's what we think it means. Soon we're going to see it doesn't mean that. It means something. But in any case, so what we see from here, in holiness itself, there is various different levels. Through, first of all, our souls are holy to begin with. But yet it doesn't come close to the holiness of the mitzvah. It doesn't, come, it doesn't compare to the holiness of a mitzvah. Mitzvah bring, li, brings us to levels that are just completely removed from the neshama when the soul is in heaven. And that's the mitzvah of kiddushim to you. You should become holy. Asher kiddushanu b'mitzvah isa. You have sanctified us through the mitzvah. But then there's a level higher than that. And that is the level of kiddush ani. I am holy and my holiness is greater than you. And therefore, a tzaddik can never reach that level. Because he can only reach the level through mitzvah. Why is a tzaddik called a tzaddik? Because he does mitzvahs. And the mitzvahs bring him into holiness. But here's the secret. The Baal tshuva is higher than the tzaddik. The penitent, the one who does tshuva, reaches higher. Where does the penitent reach? The penitent reaches the holiness of God himself. So God says to the Jewish people, Ki shani, I am holier than you. Besides the Baal tshuva. Because the Balchuvik's connection is so deep that he becomes holy with the holiness of God Himself. This that God says you can't be as holy as me is the holiness through mitzvah. And that's the access that we get Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. It's the time of tshuva, the ten days of tshuva. On Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur we reach the holiness of God that's greater than your holiness. And that's the idea that the Rebbe is now going to develop. What was the whole theme that we're talking about before? Through mitzvahs, we construct the construction. What do we construct? We construct the construction of holiness. Every mitzvah draws down the Eberster's holiness. But then there is the source of that holiness where we say God is holier than that holiness that He says we should become holy. On Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, we reach, we draw from the, 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 the level that transcends the holiness of mitzvahs. And that's why, that's what we spoke about earlier, that one big wave. And when we draw that down in one minute, it fixes an entire year of mitzvah observance. Gets fixed in one sincere, deep moment of tshuva during these 10 days. Very powerful. And we don't have access to this other times of the year. Only during this time. As we're going to see. So, so, you should be holy. You can be like me. Now he begins to explain. So he's going to explain the three levels the holiness of the soul before it does mitzvahs, the holiness of the soul after it does mitzvahs, and then Hashem's holiness, Hashem's Himself's holiness that transcends that, that transcends even that which we connect to on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur through Chuvah. These are the three levels. Because the root of the Jewish neshamas 
nimshachim, they are drawn, mepchinnas chachma datzilas. Where does the soul really come from? We mentioned earlier that all the souls come from the attributes, from those ten attributes. And we spoke that these ten attributes manifest in all four worlds. What's the highest world? The world of Atsilus. From in the world of Atsilus, the world of emanation, what's the highest? There's ten attributes, and the attributes are one above the other. So what's the highest attribute? The first one is called Chachma, wisdom. So Chachma is the closest to the Ein Sof. Our souls come from, from Chachma. Why? Because Jewish people are called... Now, even though we said earlier that some neshamas come from the lower world, yet, as, as we spoke earlier, that the attributes are all interconnected and interwoven one with each other. So ultimately, the very, very germ, germ, germ seed of the soul, the very beginning, beginning, beginning of every soul, really is rooted in the same place. In the first of the ten attributes, which is the first vessel to receive the ain't soul himself. In other words, God's mind. Every, every soul comes from God's mind. Now, and that's why, why? Because the souls are called children of God. And a child comes from the brain of the father, from the mind of the father. That's really the source of where the child comes from. So now, because the shayrish of the nisham is nimshachem ebchenes chachma datzilus, Come from the Chachma of the world of Atsilus Anikra, Moichen the Abba, they're called the Moichen of the Father. Chachma is called Father. Shadainamar, it says in the Pasuk, and since Chachma is called Father, and we are the children, so just like a child comes from the Father's brain, Shadainamar, because it says, Lashem, you are children to God, as the verse says, Bini Bechayri Yisrael, you are my firstborn child, Israel, Vaben Nimshach Metipa Haruchnius. And a child is drawn from the spiritual drop that's in the brain of the father, like it says in the second chapter of Tanya. And that's why it says, right in the beginning of the Torah, what's the first word of the Torah? Bereshis. And we know that there are, right in the beginning of the Torah, there are ten, God created the world with ten utterances. The word Bereshis is also one of the utterances. It's the first of the utterance. Bereshis nama maimer. Bereshis also. So why are the ten utterances? Because the ten utterances relate to the ten sefirot. So Chachma is the first one. So Chachma corresponds to the attribute, to the, to the, to the utterance of Bereshis. Bereshis bar elokim es And that's why in that, in that Bereshis it includes everything. Bereshis in the beginning, Hashem created heaven and earth and everything that's included. Because that's the Chachma, that's the first point. Bereshis. And what else we now, and, and, and Chachma is called Reshis. How do we see Chachma is called Reshis? It says Reshis Chachma. Yeras Hashem. Chachma is Reshis, it's the first. And it's interesting. So when you look in Rashi on the word Bereshis, what does Rashi say? Rashi doesn't give you the Kabbalah, Rashi gives you simple. What does Rashi say? That Bereshis means Bereshis that God created the world for the sake of the Jewish people and the sake of the Torah that are called Reshis. So you see that the Jewish people are rooted in Bereshis in Chachma. That's where we come from. Chachma is called Reshis. It's Rosh. It's the head. It's the beginning. And that's where the Nishat, That's where our souls come from. 
That's before even a Jew does anything. That's, that's where we start. Our soul starts from such a deep, unbelievable high place. And this is also the explanation where we find at a very, very, very dark moment in history when the Romans, the Roman savagery, when they were tormenting and, and, and persecuting and doing the most horrific things. So we know that they took the ten, we say it on Tisha B'Av and on Yom Kippur, how they tortured to death the ten great rabbis. One of them was Rabbi Akiva. So it says that Moshe Rabbeinu was watching Rabbi Akiva go through that, that pain. And Moshe cried out to God, what's this? Like, what's going on here? And Hashem told him, silence, shtoik, be quiet, so has arisen in my thought. So it has arisen in my thought. So what does that mean? That Moshe Rabbeinu asked Hashem, is this Torah and this is the reward? This is a man who, 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 who first of all acquired the Torah through tremendous effort when he was 40 years old. And then he knew the Torah like no other person. And he disseminated Torah like no one. He actually lived, or Akiva lived to be over 100. And, and, and this is at the very culmination of his life, this is how he dies. And God answered him, Shtoik, be silent. So has arisen in thought before me. What does that mean? When Hashem says it has arisen, it has, it has come up in my thought. Now if we say that thought is Chachma, I mentioned earlier, he says the Jewish people have Alu B'Machshava. The Jewish people Alu B'Machshava means that they come from, he said, Machshava thought, that's Chachma. Sometimes Chachma and Machshava are interchangeable. Fine. Now, Alu B'Machshava have risen in thought means in, in Chachma itself from a very, 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 very lofty part of Chachma. In Chachma itself, from the very, very, very highest, highest. What is that? So we know that there are, we spoke earlier, ten attributes in the world of Atsilas. But these ten attributes are rooted in the Ein Sof, higher than Atsilas. Over there we can't really call them attributes, because they're completely dissolved in God's light, but they're still a source for the attributes. That's called Keter, the crown, Keser. Or in some places, as we're going to see soon, Keser is divided into two parts. The external part, which is the source of the attributes, is called Erech Anpin, the long face of God. It's long because it's still Ein Sof. It's Hashem Himself prior to any attributic dimension. It's Ein Sof. But... It's already, there is already in a very benign, 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 already a source for attributes. So in Kesar, the Chachma in Kesar is called Chachma Stima'a. It's called concealed wisdom. The Chachma of Atsilos is already a manifest Chachma. It's a revealed Chachma. It's a revealed wisdom. Not revealed to us. But it's to God, it's called like revealed wisdom. But then there is like a state of potential wisdom. But the Chachma is in Kesar. Obviously over there it's completely, completely concealed, concealed, concealed. 
And when God is telling Moshe Rabbeinu, be quiet, is because you're trying to understand, you're trying to use Chachma to understand the level that's deeper than Chachma. It's in a level of Mayach Stima. It's in a level of concealed, of concealed, of concealed. But what does it have to do with Rabbi Akiva? What does it have to do with Rabbi Akiva being, being, being tortured? So, there's many, many levels. That's called thought. Higher. So what's with Rabbi Akiva? Hold on. So, it seems like, he doesn't give much explanation over here, He's, he's using this 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 idea as a as a continuation of the idea that the Jewish people come from that the Jewish people emanate from the Abishter's mind, so they come from God's chacham. And he says, and this is also what happened by Rabbi Akiva. So you can say that basically what he's trying to say. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a little it's a little vague over here. What he's trying to say is. That when we say that the shorish of the neshama is from chachma, we have to realize that we're dealing within chachma itself, the deepest, highest point of chachma. We're, like you see by Rabbi Akiva, that since Rabbi Akiva is a Jew, is a yid, and what was happening to him is relating to a place deeper, deeper, deeper. Or you can say Rabbi Akiva's Rabbi Akiva's mesiras nefesh, his self-sacrifice is now elevating his neshama. Up, 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 up to Mayach Stima. But the problem with saying that is then that's, if that's the, that's the place that Rabbi Akiva is being elevated to Mayach Stima, then, then how is this a proof to the Shairish of the Neshama? This is, again, what the Neshama accomplishes when the Neshama comes down here is the Neshama gets elevated way above higher than where the Neshama was to begin with. The soul gets elevated much higher. Definitely Rabbi Akiva. And definitely Rabbi Akiva at the highest moment of Mesiris Nefesh, who dies this way. That means that his soul is being elevated. So that would mean, and if that Madrega is Moyach Stima, then how can, why is he bringing it over here when he's not yet explaining the, 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 the um, when he's not yet explaining the, the elevation of the Neshama, He's still explaining first what the, what the level of the soul is prior to its elevation. So that's why it makes it a little bit, unless you're going to say that what he's trying to say is that neshamis bechlal, unrelated to their avodah in Torah and mitzvahs. Neshamis in general are rooted not just in, in machshava, but olu b'machshava. And which level of olu b'machshava? Similar to the idea of what Rabbi Hashem says to Rabbi Akiva, be silent, kach olu b'machshava. The same same term, also the same words. So I have to. I still need some clarification on what he wants with this proof. I'm not exactly sure. We'll see. Now this that the neshamas come down in bodies. When the neshama comes down in a body, is for the sake of an elevation. Through its work of Torah and mitzvahs, which we know is 
related to the idea that we're elevating sparks of holiness in this world, that elevates the neshama to a higher place. They're going to be elevated even higher. They're going to be elevated into the level of keser, into the level of crown. That is above, above, way above the supernal chachm. And how do we see this? And this is what it says in the Pasuk. Even notwithstanding the Nisham is rooted in Chachma, Keser is, keter is in, just like a Keter, a crown is on top of the head. So a Keser represents the level that is way above Chachma. Like it says, Holy people you will be for me, which means you will connect to what is called Kodesh. True Kodesh is Keser. Ki Kodesh, because what's Kodesh? So you see clearly over here that he's saying the moyach stima is a level that we only reach through mitzvahs. That's what bothers me. So that's why I have to say the Maribi Akiva, kach machshava, means that after his life, in his mysterious nefesh, he's reaching this keser, this kodesh. So I'm, again, that, that's what's bothering But then why did he bring it earlier? So I'm, 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 I'm a little confused with that. The Indian and the idea is as follows. He wants to explain the quality of this aliyah. How high is this aliyah of we're saying Kodesh? He says there's two words that represent holy. One of them is Kodesh, Kodesh, Kodesh. Like we say in, 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 by davening. Kodesh, Kodesh, Kodesh. And the other one is Kodesh. Or Kodesh, right? Kodesh and Kodesh. What's the difference between them? One of them has a vav and the other one doesn't have a vav. Kodesh is kuf dalit shin. Kodesh, kuf dalit vav shin. What's the difference? Light years away. Kodesh without a vav, the Zohar says, milo begarme, it's something, a word onto its own. It means the essence of holiness. Kodesh with a vav means something that becomes holy because holiness is flowing into it. It's something that contains holiness. What brings the holiness into the container? The Vav. The Vav is a pipeline. So Kodosh, it's, a rece- it's receiving from holiness. Kodesh itself is holiness itself. What does that mean? Keser ain't so... What's holy? Holy means I, I, it's, you, it's removed. What's the ultimate difference? Something that's removed. Something that you can't understand. You can't know it. So from Chachma and onward begins what we call in Chassidus Seder Hishtal Shalos. From What's Chachma? Chachma is part of the ten attributes. If it's part of the ten attributes, it means it's part of the godly adjustment. God is already adjusting himself to become a source for creation. So he's already, he's already contained. He's already has some vague, vague, vague definition. And then comes Bina, more constriction, and attributes lower. Do we get the Malchus, which is the actual source of creation, like we learned in the beginning? So you go level. So Kodesh, Chachma, is already a descent. Keser is Hashem, Hashem's light as it is. Ein Sof. That's why it's removed. So Kodesh is Keser. Chachma is Kadosh. 
because some of that transcendental light of Kesser shines in Chachma. Like we know, we learn in Tanya, that Chachma is a container that holds the Ein Sof. But Kesser is the Ein Sof itself, not a container holding it. That's the difference between Kodosh and Kodesh. So here's the idea. Before the Neshama is born, when the soul is in heaven, I mean, before the soul comes down into this world, it's in heaven, it's rooted in Chachma. So it's rooted in the level of Kadosh. It's a Neshama Kadosha, it's a holy soul. The holiness of Keser descends through a narrow, we're going to soon see, through a little hair, through a Vav. That Vav brings the holiness into the Neshama. But when the neshama comes down and it does mitzvahs, asher kedishanu, the holiness of a mitzvah is not kadosh with a vav. The holiness of the mitzvah is kodesh itself without the vav. It's the essence of holiness. So the neshama gets elevated from kodesh, sorry, from kadosh to kodesh. So as he says over here, if a heinoshai ki kodesh heino moyach stamash. It's only a ray. It's only a ray that's drawn from the Kesser. It's a ray of godly light that is there to enliven the, the element of Chachmah. Which in Kabbalah we know. It says that Chachma is deriving its, its sustenance from Keser. But through what? It says that there are 13 mazolois. And the mazolois, what is a mazol? Mazol comes from the word drip, drip, drip. The 13 outlets from where Keter energy drips down and becomes a source of light for the ten spheros, to the ten attributes. Chachma receives from the eighth drip. And the mazolois, how are they dripping? And Kabbalah used the term that they're dripping through tiny little hair follicles. You might call it God's hair. Through those hair, Chachma, which is the first of the ten spheros, is yonek from a mazel. Which mazel? The eighth one. Why the eighth? Bina takes from the thirteenth, and Chachma takes from the eighth. Eight and thirteen, these are the two mazales. Which is the mazel uh, noitzer and venake. The word noitzer, noitzer chesed la'alofim. These are the thirteen attributes. So one of them is noitzer. Noitzer is the same letters as tsinor. Tsinor means a pipe. So this is the pipe from where Chachma derives, is nursing. But, what is he trying to bring out? How much of Keter is being revealed in Chachma? You ask a person, how much of you is being projected in one of your hair? How much of you yourself is now coming through in a hair? If I sat with you and had coffee with you, and you spoke to me of your ideas, of your intelligence, of your passions. So then I'm getting you. Well, how much am I getting from you if you sat at the table and you left a little hair over and now I'm picking up the hair, what do I have? Oh, so for the DNA, you can actually in that, <laughs> in that hair, you can do a, a, a DNA and can get the genetic code of the person. 
But the here represents the most minuscule, least form of energy flow that a person can have. That's how insignificant Chachma, which is the first of the ten attributes, is compared to Kesar. Because it's only receiving... And that's the difference between Kadosh and Kodesh. Kodesh is the Ein Sof. Kadosh is Chachma that's receiving from one little hair, drip, drip, drip. That's that, that's Chachma. So now, the the uh, this this idea is what he's going to explain over here. As we know, hold on because Chachma is called the Father. Yoinek is drawing from the eighth Mazel, which is only a hair. It's just like a hair. Here is only the little tiny bit of a person's brain that's coming out from the hair. It doesn't have any comparison to the essence of a person's mind. And now he's going to explain this idea of the insignificance of a hair. And how minuscule and tiny that is. The Yuvan will understand this a little better. Based on what it is known. At times it seems to appear yesh yenika sachitzaynim. At times it 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 says when it comes to here in Judaism, it's interesting. What how, how do we relate to here, good or bad? So at times here is considered not good. Where do you where do you have that? We know that. The here in a person can be a source for negativity. It can be a source for negativity. The, the Levites, the Levian, when they were chosen, had to shave all their hair of their body. Not continuously, but only when someone has tzaras, gets a leopard, becomes a leopard, or that kind of... In order for him to be healed, he needs to shave all the hair of his body. A woman needs to cover her hair. She's not supposed to, a married woman cannot have her hair exposed. Why? So all the same explanation is given in all the cases. Here is an outlet for negative forces. Just like a person, can see that a person that, that uninvited guest can enter into a person's hair. Lice. In the place, generally, you know, a person is, is uh, you know, you're you don't want extra little bugs around. But the here is the place where they can get in and feel most comfortable. And The place that's most vulnerable to other little creatures to get into a person is mainly in their hair. So spiritually it's also that way. The forces of the unholy are attracted to here. Um, if that's the case. So the, why do we also find sometimes that here is very holy? And the example for that is the nazir when someone takes upon himself to be withdrawn from the world, withdrawn from the pleasures of the world, and the Nazir is called a holy person, he has to let his hair grow. So there we see that hair can be, and we also know that there is a special holiness to the man's hair on the side of the head, the peyos, certain holiness, special holiness to the beard. Very, very holy. According to the Kabbalah, the beard and the hair and the, are very, very, very high levels. So is here good or bad? And the answer is, it depends on which level we're talking. Here, I explained earlier what that means. 
Here is a very minuscule channel. It's the smallest channel possible, because basically, physically, a hair is a tube. There's a hole in every hair. It runs through the hair. And, that's, and it's, it's a little tube, and the energy of the body runs through the hair. But it's so minuscule, so tiny, that you can cut your hair and it doesn't hurt. Usually any part that's part of you, if you cut it, it hurts. If you cut the hair, it doesn't hurt, because it's so minuscule, so tiny. So we say it like this. From levels of Hashem, the levels of God, that are already constricted, that are already very, very limited, that are already contracted, if hair comes from that level, means that there is extra, 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 extra contraction. Then that flow can become a dangerous outlet for negative forces. Let me explain just one one idea before we get to this. And that is that the powers of unholy, everything that's all the forces of the demonic forces, satanic forces, any kind of evil, any kind of negativity that exists in the world, they, they, they too have to derive their energy from holiness. Because God is the source of life. And if they want to live and have blessing, they must receive it from holy. Now because there is a need for them to exist, in order to create a balance between good and bad, in order there should be free choice, until the end of times there is a need for the unholy to exist, God provides for them. He, 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 Hashem kind of has them in His budget to support them. They are part of the budget, he has to give them what he gives them. But very, very little, because he really despises them. He hates them, but he needs them. So therefore you kind of, you know, he writes them a check. But very, very little. But they want more. So the way they get more is through thievery. They have to steal it. And that's why they're always looking, they're always prowling for a place that they can kind of sneak in and they run. Now here's the thing. Where there is an, a very powerful, revealed presence of godly energy of God, they're scared. Because if they'll come in there, they'll get electrocuted. They can't do that. So they look for little channels where they can sneak in, where, the, where it's far more concealed and blocked, so they can stick themselves in and derive siphon energy. That's why anywhere that there is a level of energy that's already reduced, we don't want here coming from that place. Because if there will be here from there, the double reduction will make it vulnerable for a spiritual hack, for the negative guys to get in there. We don't want it. That's why a woman whose neshama is rooted in the attribute of malchut, which malchus is the last and final attribute where God's energy is most reduced most reduced because it's the most involved in the world the energy for creation creation can't handle these infinite lights so it's the most reduced from that level we don't want that the flow should come through a hair that's why a woman has to cover her hair because the woman represents the Shekhinah she if she walks and she has her hair exposed that Spiritually means that these, that allows her chas for these, for the through her, God forbid, forces of evil can receive extra vitality and energy, and all the unholy is empowered in the world. Through her neshama, they can take from the shechina. That's the idea. 
And we discussed this in many classes, why only a married woman needs to cover her hair. Why is it a single woman has no problem? She's allowed to have her hair uncovered. It's only a married woman that has that problem. Fine. The Levites, Levium, also represent a constricted level because we know that the Levites, their energy is from Gevura, from the left. Kohanim, they take from the right. The Jewish people have three parts. Kohanim, Levium, Yisraelim. Yisraelim are in the center. Kohanim are on the right, Chesed. And the Levites are Gevura. Gevura is already constricted. If hair comes from this constricted level, it will be too constricted. No good. However, when we go much, much, much higher, much, much higher, when we reach the infinite, infinite, infinite source, over there, we need hair. Because if we try to plug in anything into that source, we'll blow a fuse. So no one can take from that place. The only possible outlet to receive from the Ain Sof is only through here. That's why a Nazir, the guy who's a Nazir, who elevates himself through accepting the zero to the levels of Keter, to the levels of crown, he, all of his holiness is dependent on his hair. Because from that very lofty level, the Kedusha that goes into the Nazir is only through the hair. The hair of Keser is where he's deriving his energy. Same as also the beard represents the here coming from that very lofty place of Kesem. That's why this hair should not be cut. The hair of the payas or whatever, you're not allowed to shave it off. Because it's, it's, it's representing here a very positive hair. That's the idea that he's developing over here. Let's read it inside. From here there can be a deriving of the extraneous forces. That's why the sages say, the hair by a woman, Erva is, is an erva, which means it's, a, it's immodest. The ayin be'idra also says so in idra. Mechein be'leviyim, and so by the Levites, ve'virutar, they have to take a shaver and cut off their hair. Ube'yafas toyar, also by the woman that was taken from the Gentile woman that was taken in captivity, it says ve'gilchas roisha, she needs to shave her hair. But at other times it appears the Kedusha Talia Besiris, that the holiness is dependent on the hair. As it says by the Nazir, holy he should be, he should let his hair grow. The idea is as follows. The sages say, he gives an interesting example, we learned this two, three weeks ago, same, same idea, same idea. Sages say like this, when a great rabbi or a great scholar teaches, of course it's very, very great. But it says, don't just pay attention to when they teach. Even when they're talking any kind of talk, even if they're talking just mundane, mundane conversation, listen in because there's pearls of wisdom. That's what it says. Sichas chulen. Sichas chulen, the regular talk of a Talmud Chacham, limud needs to be learnt. We need to study it. That's only by who? By a Talmud Chacham. How about someone who is not a great scholar? And he sometimes says smart things, but he's not this great, huge scholar. Is there any, 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 any reason to listen in when he's talking just mundane things? No. Why? Because if you have a super, 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 super Einstein brain, 
then some of that little, some of that brain, some of that brain, what's it called again, um, is, is some of that, uh, even the little crumbs of that mind have so much to them. What is it, uh, the famous story? That the famous writer, Bialik, I think, or uh, one, of, one of them, came to, was in Vienna, and he came to visit uh, the, the Rogachover, the great Rogachover, was a great, one of the greatest geniuses of the last 500 years. He was in Vienna because he needed uh, healing. And he, was, uh, and he came to visit him. And the Rogachover was known as a genius of geniuses in Torah. So the Bialik said to him, to the Rogachover, I hear you're such a genius that even if they cut your brain in half, they can make two Einsteins. That's what he said to him. So he, and so the Rogachov said, yeah, and from the crumbs we can make a few Bialiks. <laughs> so that's just the little crumbs that fall down, you know. So that's what we're saying, that the great, great rabbis, even just little small talk is huge. The small talk is like the hair. Because they're not investing their brain into it. They're just talking regular things. But because there's so much there, it's going to, even, it's going gonna, it's gonna to like saturate, it's going to spill over into every conversation. But people that are not these great scholars, there's no significance. There might be importance and meaning when they're concentrating on what they're saying. But when they're just talking silly, you know, just regular talk, it's dvarim betelim. It's absolute. There's no reason to pay attention to it. It's silly. So th- that's the concept. That from a very high place, you need the hair, and hair is very good. The idle chatter of tamidah chachamim tzrichah limud. You have to learn that. What is a sichah chulin? Just these are the tiny droppings. Because he's a Talmud Chacham, a great scholar. That's why also in his Noivlois, even what it, Yeshdvar Chachma, there is wisdom. Which isn't the case of the regular chatter of, of, of regular people. That's going to be real empty, hollow things. It's the same as also the here. These are just the, the, the leftovers. It's like you have this big tree and, and a, little, a little fruit that falls down. That's like the here. It's, it's what is being drawn, but in a very, very, very const- little narrow channel. With a powerful, powerful constriction. It doesn't capture any of the essence of the brain. It's like the, 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 the idle chatter that doesn't have any of the substance of the person's mind. There is a level that here is very holy. There are very high holiness. The 13 attributes of mercy. That we are constantly evoking on Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, Hashem, Hashem, Kerachim, Vachanan. The thirty, these are these are the Hashem's hair, because it's coming from such a high place. Where from there we can't have only a tiny little crumb. Anything more than a crumb will burn all of creation. 
will completely destroy everything. It can only come through a hair. Nikra, it's called tikune diyukna. It's called the tikun of the Eberster's beard. And it says, sa'ar reshe, the hair of his head, ka'amar naka is like white wool. They are drawn mipchenas kodesh. Kodesh Elyon from the supernal holiness, and they are kadosh, because the vav that's the hair. The vav is a thin little line. So from the level of kodesh, we draw the hairs come down from there, and it brings and it makes wherever those hair, whatever whoever is gnashing from that hair, whoever is nursing from that hair becomes kadosh because the vav enters into them. And now they become Kadosh. So Chachma is called Kadosh, because Chachma is deriving from the hair of Keser of the Ein Sof. Keser is completely unknowable. That's why Keser is called darkness. Hashem surrounds himself in darkness. Which the essence of Keser is not at all grasped. After it's drawn through here, then Chachma comes about as we spoke earlier from the eighth here, Keniskala, as we said earlier. And this is Kadosh. What's the Vav? It's these little hairs. Which is coming from the Kodesh. That's why these here is powerful holiness. That's why when Samson, Shimshon Hagibar, when they cut his hair, he suddenly had no power. Because all of his power was, how was he such an unbelievable Gibar? How was he so strong? Because he was plugging into that level of Keter, the crown. And that's what gave him superhuman powers, unbelievable power. But the moment they cut the hair, he became disconnected from that place. And he was, he was literally, he was, uh, he was a strong like man, like a human, but not, not with that super godly power. Only through the tzimtzum, the contraction of the hair. We can get somewhat a tiny little revelation from that place. But anything that's above the hair, not through the hair, less machshava, no thought can grasp, even the thought of Chachmiyalah, even God's wisdom, the level called Chachmah, cannot grasp in Keter anything without the hair. Tfisa Bey cannot grasp him. But when dealing with lower levels, over there the hair can be very negative. Omar Rizal, the sages say, by a woman it's, it's negative. Sheyesh yenika there is a deriving for the chitzon and for the extraneous force. Achidon besara. They, they, they grip, they have a grip on her here. Kemavua bezoyar parshas achre, as stated in Zohar parshas achre. Valzenemar, and that's why it says by the Shekhinah, Keroche lifnei goizezeo nalama. She's like a sheep in front of those who shear her wool. That means they grab, she's quiet. That means the Shekhinah gets attacked by all the forces of darkness and they, they, they pull at her here. Means they, they, it's because Malchus is already much much lower than Keser. Malchus is already the source for creation. Over there, the lights and the energies have been severely severely reduced. 
She herself becomes enclosed in the world. From this level where it's enclosed already in the world, if you draw down from this place through here, this becomes a feeding ground for bacteria, spiritual bacteria. The Yanika, the Chitzonim can derive from that place. From this, we can understand. But what is the general idea? How here, here, any level we will take, the here is incomparable to the place where it's coming from. Because by a woman, too, we say that her here is negative. But the woman herself is not negative. She's very holy. Let's think of an example. The, the hair of, of Malchus, we say, is negative. The chitonim can take from it. But Malchus itself, her brain, it's the source of life for all the world. So you see the difference, how the hair is so insignificant and so disconnected from the source of the life of worlds, the Kedush of Holiness. Because a here represents a, a drawing down through a very powerful reduction, where there is no connection to the essence. If so, so from this we will also derive the Indian Cyrus, the Tkuna the Yukna, the hair of the beard of Keter of the crown, Hanikra Kodesh Bavov, which is called Kodesh with Avov, Shegam Kain Ainlahem Erech Klaalibchinas Kodesh Elian. Here's what he's showing you. He's showing you how Kodesh is nothing compared to Kodesh. Now if we say Nishamas come from Kodesh, before they're born. Neshamas in heaven from, come from the level Kodosh, from Chochmah. But as a result of coming down here and they can do mitzvahs, Asher Kiddishanu, so they're ascending beyond the here and the Neshamas become absorbed in where the here comes from, of, 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 of the Ein Sof itself. So we can understand the infinite elevation that a soul accomplishes by coming into this world and doing mitzvahs. Incomparable. It's like, it's like if, if Chachma, which is the source of the source of the source of the source of, of all the worlds, yet it's only deriving from a tiny little here from the true Ein Sof. And that's why it's worth it for a soul to come down into this world and go through all the trials and tribulations and darkness and pain and misery and all the, all the, all the baggage that comes along with going through life in this world so that it should be able to do one mitzvah. How much more so? A lot of mitzvahs. Because the, the leap, the elevation is unbelievable. So, this is the concealed mind of Keser. The Erech Anpin, of Erech Anpin, which is Keser. That's where the hair comes from. The Tkuna di Yukna, from the hair, from the beard. The Afapisha, Cyrus, Elo, and Kedusha, Atsuma. Even though these here are such an incredible holiness. V'nifla, they're a wondrous holiness. Makom makom einon eroich. They don't have no comparison. Lagaba atzmi yosak keser. To the essence of the keser. 
umoyach stima and the concealed moach. The Cyrus and Rak Pechinas Tsoimeach Shebemedaber. That Cyrus here is like the Tsoimeach element of a Medaber of a human. This is where he concludes what I was saying now. They are rooted in Chachma Vatsilus. Hamakabelus, which is receiving Mepchinas Cyrus, the Moyach Stima, from the here of the concealed Moyach, the Aliyosan, and when they're elevated through mitzvahs, they're elevated in Kodesh itself, which is much higher than Kodesh. Through the Torah and the mitzvahs. Why? How many mitzvahs are there? Listen to this Gavaldi Ganyan. 613 commandments. Together with the seven rabbinic commandments, because we know there are seven commandments of the rabbis, makes it 620. The exact numeric value of the word keser crown. Because the Torah and the mitzvahs are rooted in Kodesh itself, which is the crown. Taryag mitzvahs, the rise of Zion, mitzvahs, Zion, the Rabbonon, Tarach Amude Oyer, they're called the, two, the 620 pillars of light. We turn over the page, page 104. They're rooted in the supernal crown. Which from there come the the, two, the, two hundred, the 620 pillars of light, because the pillar connects the roof with the ground, you can go up to with the mitzvahs are called 620 pillars coming from Keter, but why are they called pillars? Because a pillar, you can climb up the pillar and go from the, from the ground up to the roof. The roof represents what's above all of creation, the Ein Sof, the ground is the physical world, the lowest point. And through the mitzvahs, unbelievable pillars, they connect us from the lowest point of existence to the highest of the high. Meaning above the here, where the here comes from. And this it says, You should do all my mitzvahs. You're going to be holy. Because you're going to ascend into the Kadosh. No, Kodesh itself. Valzeh Omar. And on this level, however, it says, Kedoshim to you, you should be holy. But God still says, Yochel Kamoini, you would think you're holy like me. Talmud Loimar, my holiness is still higher. That means there is even a higher holiness than this level of holiness. Remember I said earlier, we're going to develop first where the Neshama stands on its own. That's from the deepest point of Chachmah. Then, however, we're learning that Keser, that Chachm is only deriving from a little here. And in order to reach to the essence of what's beyond the here, we need to do mitzvah, 620. And then we become holy with God's holiness. But yet God says, you think that when you reach this level, you're like me? No, I'm holier. My holiness above, is above your holiness. Pidish. Kiagam, even though, but it doesn't mean that, when, that a Jew doesn't have access to that. We do, but that's through tshuva. That's Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Kiagam shal yadeya mitzvahs magiyim ve'oylen ad b'chenas oyra keser. Even though through mitzvahs we arrive and we and we ascend to the light of keser itself, makom makom nevertheless kedushasi l'may l'may holiness is even greater. Ach be'emes gamze ainu moven. This is not to be understood. What does he come to say? Vada yidua. 
שבחינס הכסר גם כן כלוכשיב לגבי עצמיוס אין סייף ברוך. See, the problem, the thing about it is like this. He says, Kesser, everybody knows, is also incompared to the essence of the Ein Sof. Kesser is Ein Sof, but it's not the essence of the Ein Sof. It's a projection of the Ein Sof. Chochmah is already God contracting himself to have a certain definition. Kesser is Hashem's light without any definitions. It's Hashem's light emanating as is, not adjusted. So it's, but it's his light not himself. So we understand that light, a revelation of, of the Ein Sof, can't compare to the essence of the Ein Sof. So that's what we mean, Hashem says. My holiness is holier than your holiness, because through the holiness of mitzvahs, we get to what? To the revelation of the Ein Sof. But there's still a level holy. But he says, but why does he have to say that? Hashem is called Oisei Pele. He makes, he does, he does wonders. Hainu Shahakeser, the crown, which is called a wonder. Shu Pele Elyon, which is a supernal wonder. Kasiya Gashmi is Chashevetzloi. Even Keser is considered to God like a physical action, like a physical activity. Even Keser is to Hashem the same like something physical. That's how far it is from it. The imkain is barach. The imkain kedushasa is barach lamayla mayla, and therefore God's holiness is above above laenkates al kedushaseinu infinitely above our holiness. Afilu laachar aliyas anishamis. Even after the souls are elevated, bekoidish elyon the keser in the supernal holiness of keser. Achinyan the idea is we're going to learn tul parek beis today. And the rest, Perik Beis and Gimel, we're going to do next week. Achinian, the idea is, can you do it? Is known. We know that the Malchus of Ein Sof becomes the Keser, the crown to the emanations. Malchus de Ein Sof is the Malchus, is the level of. Tell you what Malchus de Ein Sof. I have no clue what we're talking about, but okay. Malchus de Ein Sof becomes the Kesser to the Netzolim to the emanations. So what does that mean? The Derech Klal. B'chinas Hakesser u'b'chinas Mamutza bein Atzmas Oirin Soif le'Netzolim. In general, Kesser is the Mamutza. It's the mediator between the essence of the Oirin Sof and the Netzolim and the emanations. Ba'Mamutza and always a mediator. Yeshboi mi'b'chinas Tachtoinish ve'Matzol. Has from the very end of the emanator, and that's called the ancient of days. It also has the root of the emanations, and that is called the long face. Okay, where is he going with this? I'm just going to do this. I'm going to redo this part next week because I want to explain it better. I'm just super, super tired. But I will say as follows. Just a little, a little something. He's saying like this. When we say that my holiness is greater than your holiness, it's not referring to the Abishter himself. It's not referring to Atzimus himself. That we wouldn't have to say. What he's saying is like this. In Kesser itself, Kesser serves as a mediator between the essence of the emanator, which is God, and the emanations, which are the spherot. Kesser is the mediator. Every mediator 
that mediates has to incorporate within itself, within himself, elements of the two parties that it's coming to mediate. For example, if someone is going to mediate between someone that speaks English and Spanish, this mediator, as an interpreter, needs to speak English and Spanish to be able to mediate between the two. So, and that's in everything. If you serve as a mediator, you need to be, you need to appreciate both worlds. You need to know both sides, and you can then act as a, as a transfer that transfers information or input from one to the next. If Kesser is a translator between God Himself and the creation, it must have it has within it both. So therefore, we say like this: the lower part of Kesser, called Erech Anpin, the long face. This is still Ein Sof. It's Ein Sof, but it's within the Ein Sof itself. You can already sense that there is going to be spherot. There's going to be attributes. There's no attributes yet, but you can sense that there is going to be attributes. That's why we already attribute to it a face. A face means already there is already some kind of a something. But it's long. Long meaning it's Ein Sof. It's not yet. But the, the higher part of Kesser that represents... The other side, which is God Himself, is called Atik Yomin. Atik Yomin means removed from days. It's ancient, meaning it doesn't have days are already like the spherot. It's completely spheroless, attributeless. It's reflecting the pure Ain Sof of God Himself. And the difference between Atik Yomin, the inside of Kesser, and the external part of Kesser is also Ainsof. The two. Even though they make up one entity called Kether. The inside of Kesser, which is the Atik Yoyman, and the external is like light years away. It's even greater than the gap that there is between Kesser and Chach. Each level, once you go higher and higher, the gaps go greater and greater. And that's what we mean, my holiness is higher than your holiness. It's not talking about the holiness of the S, that we won't even have to say but that the Atik Yomen is greater is that, so that means that this that as a result of mitzvahs we're elevated in Erech Anpin but not in Atik Yomen not in the ancient of days ancient of days you can only reach through Tshuva as we're going to see and through Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur God reveals himself from that place as we're going to see V'hinei b'chinas Atik Yomen and Atik Yomen li'yoysoi um uh, is way above the root of the emanations. That's why it's called Atik Loshan Amatik Horim. And even though the level of Atik Yomin, it's the lowest level of the Ein Sof. Nevertheless, above above without infinitely above. From the root of the emanations. The Alter Rebbe says through mitzvahs, were elevated into Keser. And that's why he says, You would think like me. It doesn't mean to God Himself. The very substance. We would think that in your holiness you're becoming similar to the Orein Sof that's in Keser, which is the ancient of days, which is the lowest point of the emanator, 
Atik Yoman is still part of Keser, and therefore we might think that there's some kind of resemblance to that holiness. No, no, no. Is an Erech Anpin? Because 613 commandments are drawn from the 613 pathways of the skull, which is related to Erech Anpin. It's the level of Kodesh that's higher than Kodesh. But my holiness is even higher. That my holiness is even higher. In the ten days of tshuva, we connect to that place. Hamelech Hakadosh is Atik Yomen. That's the level. Shubchenas Malchus the Ein Soif. Shubchenas Kedushasi Shalemaylo Mekdushaschem. It's my holiness. That's above your holiness. The Alkain, and that's why, because we're reaching Atik Yomen, Ozman Atikun. That's the time that we can fix Lamalis Kalapagam and we can draw forth that super one big wave. One revelation from Atik Yomin in one instant fills all the gaps of all the deficiencies of all the mitzvahs. Shanasu al Yadeavinas Vachatan that came about through sins. Ma'achar Shekadushuhamizgalabasarisyamechuva, because this holiness that's revealing itself in the ten days of repentance. It's the source, but way above the holiness of the commandments. And way above it. That's why it has an irritability. The source of this holiness. Every deficiency. Yeah. Good. We're going to stop over here. At this point, and we're going to, even though I didn't finish Aleph, but Ezra we're going to leave this for next week. But this is basically the, uh, gives us at least the general introduction to the rest of the mind. That's in the introduction tomorrow. All right, everyone. Be well. Have a really good week. We'll see you all. Sh- this Shabbos is a lot of good things happening at Maya. Yeah, we have Rabbi Taub. We have and, and, and the whole Shabbos is full of, full of events. And Sunday. Great classes here. Okay. Good Shabbos. Oy. Thank you. Oh, I'm a little glued to my place. Let me just shut the recording. Before I say goodbye to everyone.